Um, but for now, we're in this sermon series in the book of Acts. So please do keep it open there on page 1120. Um, what we're seeing here in this sermon series is the spread of the gospel um, under the power of God um, to the ends of the earth. So we're thinking about mission, the way God empowers us um, to speak about Jesus, share our faith with Jesus, be witnesses to him. But the question I want us to consider uh, this afternoon is what about when things go wrong in our witness, which can happen a lot, right? Sometimes quite spectacularly wrong. Try and talk about Jesus just doesn't work out very well. And the question is, where is comfort to be found when things go wrong in our witness. And by comfort, I mean comfort in the true sense of the word, like to be given strength to like get up and get going again. Okay? Um, it could be that you're someone here, you've been praying for someone close to you for many, many years, but, but nothing. The person just seems to be getting more and more sort of anti-Jesus and anti-gospel. Perhaps you've invited people along to church many times and they just, they keep saying uh, no. Perhaps you've tried to share you know, your faith with a colleague and with a neighbor, it just, just didn't work out very well. Where is comfort to be found when things don't go well in witness? Perhaps in your, your workplace or in your friendship group, you know, you are the only Christian. And actually, it can feel quite intimidating to be a Christian, particularly if the conversation in around the water cooler comes up to religious things or Christian things. Perhaps you're put on the spot and you're like, ah, and perhaps you try and say something, but just the words come out all wrong. And you think, my goodness, I've marked that up. I wonder if I get another opportunity to speak up for Jesus. Where is comfort to be found for you when things go wrong in our witness? Perhaps you're looking more widely at the Church of England at the moment. And what seems to be a majority of the House of Bishops who are moving further and further away, historic biblical faith. A, a biblical faith that they've made promises to uphold. And you think, I can't believe it's come to this. Church of England, we're meant to be like a witness to the nation. What's this going to do to our witness? And you're fearful, and you're discouraged. Where is comfort to be found? In our witness to Jesus. And if you're someone here looking into Christian things, it's great to have you here. I often have people looking into Christian things. You might have come this afternoon with actually a few reasons why you don't want to be a Christian, and now you're hearing, oh my goodness, more and more reasons why maybe you don't want to. I've got to share my faith with others in an environment where people don't want to hear it, and maybe it's not going to go very well. I'm not too sure about that. Come with me to verse 11 of the passage that we just heard read out. To the Apostle Paul, but to us as well, an incredible comfort. You may have picked up in the passage that in verse 10, Paul is almost torn to pieces by his fellow Jews. In verse 12, we're going to see these death threats um, that he faces from these more than 40 men. And yet in verse 11, look at the comfort from the Lord, all this pressure in his witness to Jesus. And then we read verse 11. The following night, the Lord stood near Paul and said, take courage, as you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must testify also in Rome. What we're going to see this afternoon, there is a comfort here from the Lord that nothing in the world can offer. Strength to keep going in the presence, reassurance in the future, in our witness to Jesus Christ. So I'm actually just going to focus in on verse 11 and just take it bit by bit. Going to look at the comfort of the Lord's presence, the comfort of the Lord's word, the comfort of the Lord's promise. But I'll use obviously the surrounding passage to, to bring it out. Okay, so receive this comfort today. First of all, the comfort of the Lord's presence. Paul here is all alone. All alone. 
Throughout the book of Acts so far, we've seen him with his friends, with his companions on missionary journeys, with Barnabas, John, Mark, Timothy, Silas, Erastus, Luke. Here he is all alone. And it is in this context that the Lord stands beside him. Um, I picked up my eight-year-old daughter from a birthday party in central London yesterday. I wasn't expecting the Victoria Line to be completely heaving with people. I, I don't know why. But anyway, they were staggering us into the station and staggering us into the platform. By the time we got onto a tube, you know, it was just like you're completely packed in there. And we were in the middle of the tube. And, and she turned to me just before I stopped and saying, you know, Daddy, I'm really worried. You know, we won't not be able to get out. And what are we going to do? And I said, don't worry, you're with me. And she held my hand tighter and said, I'm so pleased I'm not all by myself. I'm not all alone. This is where Paul is at right now. Alone, arrested, and into this context, the Lord stands by him and reassures him of his presence with him. And maybe we think to ourselves, my goodness, what was this? Was this in a dream? Was this a trance? Was this a vision, perhaps, like back in Acts 9 on the road to Damascus? We don't know. It doesn't matter. What does matter is the Lord loves to reassure his people that they are never alone, especially so in times of difficulty, in their witness to him, the comfort of the Lord's presence. You've probably read about the loneliness epidemic in London, you know, millions of people living very close to each other and flats, the rest of it working very close with each other, and yet feelings of existentially just going through life very alone, by themselves, lonely. And when things go wrong in personal life, work life, and whatever mission they have, well, actually, you are on your own. It's all down to you. That is never the case for the Christian believer. We are never alone in the mission that Jesus has given us to share our faith with him, to be part of God's mission to build the church, to spread his kingdom to the ends of the earth. I'm with you. Always. Let's be clear who it is exactly who is with Paul here, who Jesus is. He is described here as the Lord. The following night, the Lord stood near Paul. This is the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the Lord of all. This is the King of Kings. This is the Lord who's lived a perfect life, who's died a sacrificial death, has paid for sins once for all, who's defeated death for his resurrection, who's poured his spirit out on the church. He said, oh, I build my church and the gates of hell will never prevail against it. This is who is with us when we're on our own in the workplace. This is the one who's with us when we're intimidated, when the words aren't coming out right, when we feel like we've mucked. He is the one with us. Take comfort from that. You are never alone. Imagine Roger Federer joining you in a doubles match on a tennis court. Imagine Erling Haaland joining you on the Inspire football team. Imagine Mary Berry joining you as a sous chef in the kitchen. You'd be feeling a lot more confident. You'd feel a lot more encouraged. We have the Lord Jesus Christ with us. He us by his spirit. Standing near with us to help us. Don't give up. Keep going. Take comfort from the Lord's presence. And no matter how difficult things become, even in the most intimidating of environments, it's actually it's often in the hardest of situations where we're a witness to Jesus that we actually have a real tangible sense of his presence at a, like a much deeper level. You want more of the Lord in your life or more of a sense of the Lord in your life? Go tell people about Jesus. Witness to him. Share your faith. 
he's with you. So that's the comfort of the Lord's presence. Second part of verse 11, the comfort of the Lord's word. The Lord doesn't just stand next to Paul and near him. He, he, he gives him words of comfort too. The following night, the Lord stood near Paul and said, take courage. Literally, cheer up, Paul. <laughs> take heart. I imagine Paul is feeling so discouraged at this point particularly with what's just happened before in the Sanhedrin. I know we tend to think of Paul probably, you know, never makes a mistake, you know, perfect in all his evangelism. He's not Jesus, right? He's sinful just like you and me. He has fallen. And did you notice that when he's before the Sanhedrin, he insults the high priest in verse 3? He's quick to apologize in verse 5. But then Paul gets caught up in this, like, theological debate between the Pharisees and Sadducees, and it all gets very hot-tempered and violent, and then they want to tear him to pieces. I mean, here is Paul's opportunity to, to share Jesus with others, with his own fellow Jews. He was hoping that as he could get there, he could tell them about Jesus, so they could be saved too. And it's all gone wrong. What a mess. He's mucked it up, perhaps blaming himself. I can't believe I said that. And in that context, his Lord comes to him, stands near him, and says, Take courage. Do not worry. Get up. Let's go again. I love it. There's, there's, just, there's no condemnation from Jesus here. There's no one. What do you expect if you're going to insult the high priest? What were you thinking? You should have known better. This is your fault you're in this mess. You're all on your own. Over to you. There's none of that. It's just words of comfort and grace. Take courage. Jesus uses that phrase, take courage, in four other times in the New Testament. Once with the bedridden paralytic. Um, Son, take, take courage. Your sins are forgiven. Once with the woman who's been bleeding for 12 years. Take courage, your faith has made you well. Um, once with the disciples, when they're really scared in the storm-tossed seas of Galilee, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. And then just before Jesus goes to his um, uh, death, um, right on the night of the crucifixion, the upper room, take courage, I have overcome the world. And so put this all together, what is Jesus saying to Paul? It's look, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Take heart. If you've mucked up here, if you sinned, your sins are forgiven. Get up, let's go. I've got a mission for you. I'm with you. Let's do it again. So to the person here who is so nervous when an opportunity comes up to speak of Jesus, now finally you've got it, but you're just you're not used to it, you're tongue-tied, you're foggy-brained, um, you can't find the words, it does come out all wrong, and you, and you make a mess of it, and it doesn't go to plan, and you've just got that sort of blank look on people's faces, and just thinking, whoops, take heart, take courage. Don't worry, try it again the next time. To the person who goes out uh, for drinks with colleagues after work, maybe you've had a couple of rounds and uh, tongues start to loosen, and finally you have this, this great conversation about Jesus with the colleague. It's going so well. You stay out, you keep drinking. Towards the end of the evening, you've had one, two, or three too many. You stagger out the bar, you vomit on the floor in front of everyone else. You wake up the next day, you think, oh my goodness, what did I just do? I'm a complete, what a nightmare witness that. I was having such a good I just completely mucked it up. What's the Lord think of me now? Hear Jesus' words to you. Son, daughter, insofar as you've sinned, your sins are forgiven. Take heart, do not worry. Do not be afraid. I'm with you. Get up. Let's go again. 
to the person who feels so weak and feeble when it comes to sharing Jesus with others. Your knees are shaking, your voice is stammering, you're worried about the consequences if you do speak up for Jesus, you're worried about the consequences if you don't speak up for Jesus. And you're like, ah, take heart, take courage. I'm with you, don't worry, I'll help you. Words of comfort from Jesus to you, no matter how many times things go wrong, no matter the opportunities you miss, you muck it up, you are to blame, and Jesus is saying, cheer up, don't let it get to you, keep going. So the comfort of the Lord's presence, the comfort of the Lord's word, and then thirdly and finally, in that last bit of verse 11, the comfort of the Lord's promise. What did you make of this final section, verse 12 um, of 23, to the end? I find this absolutely stunning. Because it begins in verse 12, as we know, with Jesus alone, rejected by his fellow Jewish um, people, um, arrested. And then we find out there's this plot by over 40 men who say, we're not going to eat or drink until Paul is dead, until we've killed him. I mean, could this be a, a more dire situation for Paul? And then by the end of this section, what do we find? We find him with... 470 Roman soldiers escorting him out of Jerusalem to Rome as if he's a king and not a criminal. It's just amazing. This complete turnaround in Paul's fortune and circumstances. And we might think to ourselves, well, how did that happen? Like, why did that happen? What was the starting point of all that? And it all begins in verse 11 with this promise that Jesus gives Paul. The following night, the Lord Jesus stood near Paul and said, take courage, as you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. Here is the Lord making Paul a promise. And when the Lord makes you a promise, it is guaranteed, it will happen. Nothing can stop it. Not even if 40 plus men make a diametrically opposed promise to kill Paul. The problem when you and I make promises as human beings is that we cannot guarantee it because there are some things that are just out of our control. When I went to pick up my daughter from that part, part, uh, birthday party yesterday in central London, I said to Joe, I promised Joe I'd be back at a certain time. I wasn't to know that Victoria Station was going to be absolutely rammed full and they were going to stagger us in and have to wait several tubes before we could get on and get back. And in the end, it was out of my control, nothing I could do, and I was late. And I'm sorry, I, I failed in my promise there. When God makes a promise... It is absolutely guaranteed because there is nothing outside the Lord's control. All the details, specificities of, of all of life are in his hands. Did you notice how the Lord works out his promise in verse 16? But when the son of Paul's sister heard of this plot, he went into the barracks and told Paul. Now, hang on a second. Like, <laughs> what, Paul's got a, a sister? It's the first we're hearing about it, and she's got a son, and Paul's got a nephew. So we didn't even know Paul had any family. And this nephew just happens to be in the right time, at the right place, with the right people, to hear about this plot and tell Paul. I mean, you can't make this sort of stuff up. Oh, it's just a coincidence. No, there's nothing outside the Lord's control. Notice, by the way, how Paul responds to this. And when the nephew comes in, what Paul doesn't say is, oh, don't worry, I've got a promise from God. I'm going to testify in Rome. There's nothing we need to do. We can sit back and relax and leave it in the Lord's hands. You go home. No! This promise from the Lord spurs Paul into action. He says, go tell you know, one of these centurions straight away. There's no guarantee, humanly speaking, that the centurion's going to listen to Paul, who's arrested. Shut up, I'm not listening to you. But nothing's outside the Lord's control. So the centurion passes it on to the commander. Again, humanly speaking. 
No guarantee that the commander will listen. He does listen. And he puts his 470 soldiers around Paul, completely protected, so no one can harm him, none of those 40 men, and just marches him out of Jerusalem and off to Rome. So he can testify there, just as the Lord promised. You see, the promise of God, when he makes a promise to you, unstoppable, will happen. Now, you say to me, Mark, this is a promise to Paul, a very specific promise that he would testify in Rome. He has a very unique role in salvation history. We're not Paul. So what is God's promise to us? Well, there are lots of promises to God's people in Scripture. But when it comes to witness, the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 8, the key verse of the book, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That is a promise from the Lord Jesus to every follower of him. You will be my witnesses. And no one can stop it. Guaranteed. Someone in the church family shared with me last Sunday that during this sermon, they felt prompted by the Lord to speak to one of their family members and tell them that Jesus loves them. Even though this particular family member had shown no interest in Jesus or the church for many, many years. And this person, this member of the church family, was pretty nervous about this, about doing it. And so we pray together, ask for boldness, give it a go, see what happens. And, and she did. She said, look, I just want to tell you, Jesus loves you. And the response she got was way more positive than she was expecting. And actually, it was very timely given what was actually going to happen later on in that week. You will be my witnesses. I've mentioned before that I was the first person in the history of Durham University to do a particular degree, Mass with European Studies, so three years on as course in years one, two, four, and then the third year away in Granada, Spain. First person ever to do it. And it just so happened that two years later, Another person wanted to do the same course in the same place in Granada in the same college as me and wanted to ask me about it. And she was a Christian. And she witnessed to me. And through that, I became a Christian my penultimate term at university. You will be my witnesses. Nothing is beyond the Lord's control. Some of you may feel you can never be a witness to the Lord, that you're too shy, too scared, too much of a failure. But don't you see, when God makes a promise, he'll, he'll keep it. Nothing's outside his control, not your shyness or your perceived shyness. Your perceived inability, God can work with it all, and he does, and he will use you to shine the light of Jesus through your actions, your words, as you step out in faith and trust him. Do not be afraid. I'm with you. Take courage. Get going. Let it spur you into action, right, this promise just like it did for Paul. Some of you are worried about the consequences of sharing your faith in Jesus, loss of face, loss of friends, loss of job. But don't you think God can protect you if nothing is outside his control? Don't you think that the Lord could put just the right person in just the right place at just the right time for you? Of course he can, if he wants to. 
It's a wonderful privilege going on mission. It's so exciting. It's an adventure. We, we want to have a call. We want something to live for. You're not alone in it. We're in this together. The Lord's with us. Take courage. You will be my witnesses. So bear that in mind as we go out in the week ahead. As you think about where you're living right now, maybe you don't like where you're living, but the Lord's got you living there. Nothing's outside his control. The neighbors you live with, maybe they annoy you sometimes with the noise they make. Nothing's outside the Lord's control. We're only on the bus and tube to work. Maybe it is delayed. Ugh. Nothing outside his control. And maybe he's doing it. So you turn to that person you're sitting next to and say, hey, get to know him. And an opportunity comes up to share the message of Jesus with them. Who's the Lord put in your life right now? Who are your friends? Who are your colleagues? Who are the people who have struggled through life? And you, hey, look, maybe I can just share how the Lord helps me. You sense it? Receive the comfort. Receive the comfort of the Lord's presence. Receive it. You're not alone. And of his word, his grace, his comfort to you, and this promise that you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. Well, look, let me pray that comfort for us now. Let's pray. Father God, we thank and praise you for these words of comfort to the Apostle Paul, and this great evangelist, um, this great apostle that you chose to the Gentiles, and he needed this, and boy, do we need it as well. We find it hard to stand up when we're on our own. It can be intimidating when there's pressure coming at us, or opposition, fear of what may happen if we do make a stand for you. So please reassure our hearts that you really are with us wherever we are, even if we're feeling very alone. Thank you for your word of grace, that when we muck things up and get things wrong, things don't go the way we expect, we can hear you saying, take courage, cheer up, go again. And insofar as we're ready to throw in the towel and just give up on it all, um, thank you for this promise that you, we will be your witnesses. Please reassure our hearts and send us out on the adventure of mission in the week ahead. Let me ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen.